Before we start the show, I just wanted to reach out and say that if you are loving listening to The Truth Prescription as much as we are loving making it, please subscribe to the podcast. Hit that subscribe button. Rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and iHeartRadio, to name a few. And come check us out at www.thetruthprescription.com to get more insights and info, because the truth will set you free if you let it. Only thing that's constant is change. Okay. Everything changes, everything ends, right? So you always, at least for me, I'm always thinking ahead about, all right, what's the next thing? Where am I going next? Gentlemen and ladies, brothers and sisters, people, whoever you are and wherever you are, welcome to the Truth Prescription Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sekou Gathers, and each week I interview successful people from around the world and discuss how accepting the truth can propel your career and help you live a life of gusto and purpose. No mantras, no gimmicks, just the truth. So close your eyes and open your ears, and let's get into this. Come on. Good people. Welcome to another episode of the True Prescription Podcast. Uh, today, once again, I am in the interviewer's seat, or the interviewee's seat, actually. This is an interview I did on SiriusXM a few weeks back with Alan Boomer and Tiffany Hawkins on the Momentum Advisors podcast. Um, and really, I talked about my entrepreneurial journey, and we kind of went through that. I talked about the process of becoming a physician and why I sort of transitioned into entrepreneurship. We discussed my first sort of major business here in New York, how that went, and then when it sort of was coming to an end, some of my regrets about how I handled the exit of it all, or the, the trend, you know, in terms of the transition, there's some things I would have done differently to close the business out. And uh, finally, we talked about some tips on how to be a successful entrepreneur. Talked about communication, talked about marketing, talked about the value of human resources, and finally discussing sometimes the importance of when you grow, uh, you can sort of outgrow your ability to really scale the business. And sometimes you need to scale back in order to, to really grow it and manage the business within the realms of your capabilities. So hope you guys enjoy it. Gives you a little, little more insight into me. I interview a lot of people and ask them a ton of questions. And so this will, you know, give you guys some insight into me, my journey, and why I love doing this show. All right. Be well. Love you all. We are the Momentum Advisors. I'm Tiffany Hawkins, and he's Alan Boomer. Each week, we will give you financial advice, ideas on entrepreneurship, and insight into how you can build a legacy. Hello. Yo. We are in the building. Here we are. You know, I'm so excited. Can I'm, you tell, first of all, can you tell that I'm very excited? A little bit? Yeah, okay. I can. I can see it. Y you can see it's it? It's written all over your face. Mm -mm, it's not. <laughs> but why am I so excited? It's almost Christmas. Everybody knows Christmas is my favorite yes. holiday. Yes. My favorite. I'm in the Christmas spirit. Christmas is all around. I am watching all the Christmas movies. I'm going to holiday parties. I'm doing Christmas baking. Okay. It's all so, cheer. So... We should talk about... About what we're here for, because it's definitely not that. <laughs> so if you've never heard us before, our whole mantra is about entrepreneurship... Ownership. Wealth building and creating a legacy for your family. We don't often have guests on this show. We've been on the air coming up on... We just got renewed for our third year. 
I can count on two hands the number of guests that we've had. It's special to be a guest yeah. on the Momentum There's Advisors. a reason why we don't have guests on this show often. I'm not going to tell you guys right now because we're in the holiday spirit. But 2020, we can talk about it. Yeah, no, we want people that are going to bring a message. We want people that are going to be inspirational. We want people that are really going to help you to aspire to creating wealth for yourself. And we want people that we like to be in the studio with. And that's one of our biggest factors. Yeah. And we've got one of these such guests in the house today. <laughs> we've got, I, I'm going to call him my brother. Okay. My mom's going to be like, wait a minute, I don't remember pushing him out. <laughs> but we've got Dr. Seculio gathers in the house. Yes, sir. Seculio, What's happening? Seculio's a friend. Thank you. Thank you for the applause. Yeah, Seculio's a friend. Seculio, we met at Morgan State University. We lived in That's the right. same dorm building. We called it the new building, even though it had a name, Rawlings Hall. We always Rawlings. called it the new building. That's, right. that's how infrequently Morgan State got a new building <laughs> back in the day. Yeah, by the time I got there, it was just Rawlings. Yeah, well... It was new building for us. Okay. It was it was, a new, it right. was probably like five years old by the time I got there and yeah. it was still called new building. I think they built it like like my freshman year, they, they were building it my freshman year and it was like open sophomore year. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. I got there got your there junior my, year. Nah, you got there my sophomore year. Sophomore year. We're not that. Who knows? Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. Seculio is a graduate of Morgan State University where he studied biology. He has a Bachelor of Science from Morgan State. He's a doctor of medicine from George Washington University in D.C. He completed his residency in Mount Sinai Hospital in New York. But that's not why we brought Seculio in today. Seculio's right. an entrepreneur. He's a business Indeed. owner. And that's why we brought him in today. So one thing that I want to just, I just want to jump into this because sure. to Alan's point, we rarely have guests. Yeah. And so that must mean that you're super special. <laughs> but your story is extremely interesting to yeah. me. Alan has mentioned that, you know, you've gone to medical school. You are a you are a physical doctor. A legit doctor. A legit doctor. and you Not like Dr. Love. Right. right. You, and you've worked in the medical space. Yeah. And then you left in a way to become an entrepreneur. So first, yeah. talk to us about when you were working as a doctor. What was your role? What kind of doctor were you? Sure. My training is as an a ER doc. ER is kind of fun because, you know, you get to see everybody, you know, from babies to old people. And uh, you never know what you're going to see, right? I could have a sprained ankle, have a heart attack. Is I it could... like Grey's Anatomy? Sometimes. Do you sometimes, ever get sometimes. a tree through somebody's um, heart? I've I've <laughs> had to take had to, I've had to take stuff out of people's um you know bottoms. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Foreign bodies. I'm not even them. surprised. Yeah. I'm not even surprised. You'd about be that. surprised what people put up no. there. You got to trying things. You got to try it out. Yes. I, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> How you end up in the ER? That's right. Looking at me, looking at you like you're great. Like, did you really just do that? Anyway, so yeah, I'm an ER doc. That's my training. I liked it because, you know, you get to know a lot about it. I knew a little bit about a lot of things. Basically, you know, I graduated. I went through my thing. I was, you know, in the hospitals working. How long were you working in the hospitals? Two years. Okay. Well, after, well I was, you know, my med school's four years, training's four after years. After your residency. Two years, basically. Okay. And I said, you know, I got to a point where I was like, all right, I got this. Were you just ready for something new? Were you Was there something about your role that you didn't like? Or were you just looking for new opportunities? Well, I always had the entrepreneurial bug. Right. Know, and I was just going to, and I was going to say that because from what I heard from Alan, you've been an entrepreneur since oh, way yeah. back. Oh, yeah. yeah. No. Seculio had, what was it called? The Fifth Flow Fifth Flow Stowe. That's right. Seculio at Morgan State <laughs> was hustling Snickers bars, right. Lay's potato chips. Hot dogs. Out of your dorm room? Like where out was it? dorm room, Out yeah. of your dorm room. So I'd go to yeah. Costco, buy the stuff, bring it back, mark it up, you know, 40%, 50%. So when were you open? Were you open after class? 20, I was, if I was in my room, I was open. Mm. If I was in the room, I was open. And normally, you know, especially during the week, if it's not a party or something, I'm home. So... Yeah, and I had my own room, so it was it was great. I'll it tell was you great. a sad story about being in college. 
I used to go to bed hungry a lot before I met you. Like, because <laughs> our, our cafeteria closes early and yeah, I had the meal plan. I didn't have a shopping center across the street. I didn't have money. You got to spend cash to get. So I call it go. I call it taking it back to Morgan days when I go to bed hungry at this point. But once I met St. Coolio, you could go to the fifth floor store right. and he would get you right. Well, be clear. Alan does not go to bed hungry no, anymore. He does not. <laughs> no, so I don't know okay. what. Yeah. It's not on the horizon at all. Whether there's a fifth floor store or not. I right. threaten to do it, though, all the time. <laughs> Like, yo, I might have to take it back to Morgan days. Okay. All right. It's a threat to yourself. <laughs> so you've had the entrepreneurial bug for a long time. Where does yep. that come from? From your family or what? My grandfather, you know, Azel Brown, God, God rest the dead. He was the first black man in Brooklyn to own a pest control business. And wow. in, like the, in like the 40s, he had his own pest control business. He had like 40 employees. Wow. And so as a kid, I would go go there and like, oh, shit, like, you know, this this is my, my grandfather's store. And like, these are his employees. And this is his chemical he created. And wow, like, wow. this is how he's feeding my, like, basically my family, like, you know, my mom and, and, and my uncle. So that started it, you know, just like most things, if it's not already in you, it, you won't relate. You won't, it won't resonate with you. Right. And so then from there, just kind of, you know, it's like, all right. So you're this. in the ER removing things from rectum. <laughs> and then you just got tired of asses. I'm assuming. And decided there's got to be something better for me. But let me take it one step back though. Okay. I would imagine that the folks, when you're in medical school, yeah. there starts to be a path that you go on. Yep. I would imagine the more talented, capable, elite, academic, and also the folks with the right, I guess, mind state go into emergency medicine. Like, you got to be a certain type of cat to deal with that pressure of being an ER doctor. Yeah. I mean, this sort of smartest people in medicine go into plastic surgery, emergency medicine, dermatology, and orthopedics. Those are the, those are like the hardest, re- you know, the hardest residencies to get into. Like, no shade on my, you know, internal medicine doctors, my family medicine doctors, my pediatricians. So you're saying my gynecologist is kind of like, <laughs> womp, womp. Well, I'll say this. I need a second opinion. <laughs> at the time. need a second opinion on, okay. Learn um, something new every day. <laughs> no, it's just, for whatever reason, those are, because they're a little bit coveted, right? ER is cool because you go in there, you do your thing, then you're done, right? Nobody's texting, nobody's calling me, nobody, you know, I'm not, I don't do call, right? My shift time may be long, but I don't do call. But still, even with that, to you guys' point, you know, I always had that bug. And I knew that there's always going to be an element, I don't know how to say this, of, of pimping in medicine. You know, that mm. you, you still— Explain that. Well, you're still trading your time for money. You okay. know what I mean? So, mm. and, and just to take it back, I'll give you an example. So, about two, three years ago, I was, like, uh, having this, this back and forth with this company I was working for because they're like, oh, well, we don't want to pay you X <laughs> number of dollars. And I told her, I was like, listen, every time I work, I make twenty to thirty thousand dollars for you, you know, for this for this facility every time I work, right? Out of that, I'm getting maybe two to three thousand. That's right? not gonna work. And so, give me a break. I'm, you know, and I'm not asking for for even fifty, like half, right? Just asking for, so ten percent. That's all. And so that's what I mean. It's the hospital that's making the money. It's the insurance insurance companies that are making the money. But the the, the doctor doesn't make money. And part of it is because, you know, we're kind of like artists. Like, we're just doing our thing, you know, the thing that we love. And just like most artists, they get pimped. You don't really think, you, you know, you're kind of in your groove. and Right, you're saving you know, lives. You're just right. thinking but about it on. from a purpose perspective. Right. Y'all are some highly paid. We are highly paid pimps. <laughs> individuals. But, but so is LeBron. Right. Oh. Well, I can't use LeBron because he's oh. doing other things. But we will say somebody like Rich Paul. 
Mm. Uh, I don't know about Rich Paul. Carmelo. But I'm saying like Carmelo, Mello, like Mello, Anthony, like Mello, for sure. Right? For sure. You can have a player. That but, new but, contract is, is it, well, trash. His, his contract is done. My point is like <laughs> you can still be a high paid, I don't want to say slave, but you're still getting pimped, right? Because what's Dolan making? Like if, if Dolan yeah. can pay whatever he pays, then Dolan's the real the real G. But it had to be difficult because there's a lot of folks. So we have clients that are doctors and they make, yeah. you know, the challenge to being a doctor is you often have a lot of student loan debt. Mm-hmm. You make good money, but there's the student loan debt. Right. There's all of the insurance you got to carry. Yeah. There's the insurance companies that are trying to take your money the way you had to fight that company. But for a lot of folks, they just thug it out. Like they don't try to switch up the program. And it's because yeah. you've become accustomed to the lifestyle of what a doctor should be living. Right. And right. so it, you yep. and your spouse and your yep. children are now accustomed to a certain yep. type of lifestyle. And yep. it's not something that you're willing to shake. Yeah. That and so... What was going on that you were like, I'm going to shake it all up? Well, first of all, I was, so I was like two years in. It was my first marriage. So similar to you, I was married before. Well, you didn't get, I married. Didn't you didn't get married again. I didn't do it again. I did. I got but, time, uh, <laughs> You got some time. I got time. And I actually got sick. So I was sick, like physically. I had a like, medical condition. And I was kind of like going through divorce. And so all of that was sort of happening around the same time. And I was like, you know, there's no better time, like, my daughter, she's good. Like, I don't, I, I can live in a room. Like, I basically, I rented, like, this small spot in Jersey City, and I just, just went hard. And my, you know, my first business sort of after leaving the hospital, you know, full-time, which was the, the concierge medicine, you know, hotel business, which was, which was good for a time. So how did you, how did you decide what your first business was going to be? Because you could have went back to the fifth floor stone. I could have. <laughs> I could have. You know, it's interesting. I think it, it comes down to maturity. Now I'm 43 and I'm looking at businesses outside of medicine. But I think at that time it was just a comfort level. Like, all right, this is my lane. And so let me try to do something in my lane. So I just typed in the Google one day, like, you know, entrepreneurial, you know, uh, options for physicians. And a bunch of stuff came up. And one of them that caught my eye was this this franchise. This guy was selling to, you know, do this concierge medicine for hotels or for, you know, for international travelers here in New York. And so that's that's why I started. But I think a lot of entrepreneurs start that way. Like they're doing. Google? Well, I mean, <laughs> we did not start on Google. OK, I think a lot of entrepreneurs are <laughs> you doing, know what he's talking about, are doing Stop a it. job. Ms. Hawkins. They get good at that job and then they branch off into a business that relies on the skills they developed in that job. So right. I am going to go against that. I okay. think a lot of people don't do that. I think a lot of people should. Right. I think a lot of us have been great at our job. We're probably the best at our job. We know how to do our job and everybody else around us in and out. But we don't make the move Mm. because of comfort, because of, you know, complacency. Mm. And that's part of the issue. And I think that's part of what makes an entrepreneur different. I think that's part of what makes Sekou different is that he was an ER doctor. He knew what he was doing. This was something that he understood. And so, like you just said, you either have it or you don't. Because a lot of us are great at our jobs and could do it somewhere else for ourselves in the dark if we needed to. We just don't. But I'm talking about successful entrepreneurs. Okay. Like, I met a guy who owned in Atlanta one of the, like, I think the second largest business where they did valet parking for for Mm. hotels and restaurants. And I said, yo, how'd you get into this business? This is interesting. Yeah. He said, I used to be the guy parking the cars. Yep. It just hit me, like, 
we need to be willing to park the car and then go start the business parking the cars. I think a lot of times mm. we think we're going to be in one industry and then just flip into some other industry and master it. When in reality, it's the person in that industry that's going to figure out the best ways to make money in that industry. Or sometimes I think that we are in an industry and we grow to have some sort of resentment towards the industry. Mm. So we feel like we got to go so far left. Like I just okay. got to, you know, like I'm a I'm a doctor. I am now going to become a chef. Like I just don't <laughs> want to be anywhere near this thing well, anymore. Become a, become a filmmaker. Right. And it's like, like I like, can't even find the arm button like, on the camera. You know what I mean? But I'm saying like. You know, it's entrepreneurship by resentment, like through resentment. <laughs> like I, I always say I'm an entrepreneur. I, I became an entrepreneur through desperation. Some people become entrepreneurs through passion and motivation. But by way of resentment, it's oftentimes a failure rate. So I appreciate the fact that you are like, listen, I am good at this thing. This is my lane. Right. Whether I work for somebody else or not, this is my lane and I'm going to flush out what is available for me. And so you found concierge medicine. Yeah. Yeah. How was that first business? It was dope. I, <laughs> it was a dope. It was a dope business, man. I mean, great, good money. So did you just quit ER the ER one day? I mean, I know you said yeah, you were sick. Yeah, yeah, I was sick. And so I was sort of like, I was really weak, but I was still able to sort of run the business. And then I hired a couple people. So basically I would like manage it from, you know, at the time I was, I was, was I in Jersey? I was in, I was in Jersey City. I was sort of manage it from there. But if I needed to go, I would, you know, limp my ass, in, you know, to, <laughs> to the car and drive Wait, over there. Doctor, you sicker than me? <laughs> I know. Like, what, what? yeah, I was crazy, man. So, I was underweight the whole thing. But. So you're actually going into hotel rooms yeah. or the hotels calling you? Yeah. So what I what I started doing was, you know, becoming part of all the various organizations so I can meet all the concierge, all the general managers, all the security folks at all the hotels. And then once they knew me, over time, I actually started to get some contracts and they would just call me exclusively or call my company exclusively. And we would go out and, you know, it was it was a great business. The reason that I left the business was because the income was inconsistent at the time. Yeah, so that's what I was going to ask you. Like, what was yeah. your pay structure? Did you get paid per visit? Was the hotel paying you or was the person, you know, the actual client paying you? Yeah, so it was per visit. And the great thing was all cash because these were 90% international travelers who mm. had traveler's insurance. Okay. And so they could pay me whatever because they were going to get reimbursed. Now, sometimes, you know, they were upset by the, the tag. And they're paying the, you on the spot. Like, you know, I'm not leaving card. without my credit money. Card. Okay. Right there. Boom. Okay. Yeah, you want to get better? Sometimes cash. Let me see that credit card. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I pre-authorized before I even went. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You got to pre-auth. Because sometimes, you know, I, in the beginning, I get there and they, oh, I can't find it or, you know, all this nonsense. <laughs> like, I, homie. I, I can't find my stethoscope right. either. Now. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> my thermometer must be somewhere else. Exactly. So exactly. you were saying that you that it was inconsistent income. It was consistent income for a single dude. But once mm. I started getting serious and I was going to get married again, now I was like. Out here dating again. These women yeah. that motivate you, won't they? Yeah, a woman will motivate you, you right, to make it? some money. I don't have that it? problem. I don't know how that yeah. goes. Men will never motivate another woman to make That's why I got an money. MBA. I, I was like, yo, I got to be able to support a family. <laughs> yeah, you got a lot of kids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he does have a lot of kids. No, that is the perfect way to go to break. So stick with us. I'm Tiffany Hawkins. I'm Alan Boomer. We're the Momentum Advisors, and we'll be right back. We are talking to Sekou, who is telling us about his experience as an entrepreneur. Sekou Leo is like the perfect example of somebody who got really, really good at his job and then branched out to do it on his own. 
Yeah. So we were just talking about your first business, which was concierge, medical concierge business. Yep. And so you were saying as your life started to change, you know, it was a, it was great income for, for a single person. But right. as you know, you found a special lady and yeah. decided you wanted to get more serious and make Must some, you know, lady. make some lifestyle changes. You lady. decided that <laughs> it, it, it didn't support girl. the income wasn't going to support your next lifestyle. It wasn't just the income, okay. Tiffany. It was the um, calls in the middle of the night. Yes. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Wow. It was As the a logistics. woman, I could feel that. I mean, literally, As a woman, one I New Year's Eve, one New Year's Eve, we're no. setting up, no. frying no. chicken, fish, the whole thing, and at like ten fifty, they're gonna have to be sick. I get a call. They're gonna have to be sick. And yeah, but I show up. But I nope. hit them up for like four G's, Ooh. so I had, so I had to go. I'll be right back. But sweetheart. I came. But I got back at eleven fifty two. Mm. I flew to the city and came back with, with 4G's in your pocket. In the bank account. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I don't know if I'd have been all right with it. Yeah. As a woman. She, she was tight. Your, she your was... midnight would have been a little tight. But I... the <laughs> woman might have right thought now. you were out there selling drugs. No. Or doing... I mean, I'm sure she knows what he's doing, but right. I'm just saying that I'm now I gotta now right. I gotta fry this chicken, eat doctor, the chicken. What doctor in the middle of the night come back Listen, with 4G's? I know. Listen, I know. So I get it. It's yeah. time to move on from that business. So what did yeah. that look like? What did your transition look like? Look like? Did you sell it? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell folks like for all the entrepreneurs, listen, if you have a business that you're in and it has a great business model and you need to pivot, try to find a way to sell it. I did the wrong thing. I just kind of let the business die. Mm. And it was still a viable business that I probably could have sold and made some money. Yeah. One thing you did really well, and this is something I think entrepreneurs need to learn. You focused on, even though you were a great doctor, you focused on bringing in some customers and some contracts. A lot of times we think that just being good at the thing is going to make our business successful. You could be the best doctor in the world, but if you can't get those contracts and customers, you don't have a business. Yeah, Alan, it comes down to communication. I'll tell you, my biggest success was a speech I gave in front of like 400 concierge. Mm. After that, you know, and I was like nervous as hell. But after that, I started started getting a lot more calls, a lot more calls, people calling myself. So it's about communications, about how you communicate your message. I mean, that's that's central, right, to to, to entrepreneurship and business. So you just let it die down. Yeah, just let it die but down. But before you let it die down, did you know what you were going to do next? Not really. I kind of fell back into the, you know, the ER a little bit okay. for a little while. Okay. And then, yeah, then I started uh, I started up with the pain management clinic. And now, that, did you that have money of, saved? Did you like, did you, did you just stop one day or did you have money saved and you were like, listen, I know I can go for a while till I do the next thing? Or did you just walk into another ER and say, I'm back? Pretty much. I like, yeah, I started like letting it die. When people would call me, I was like, you know, I was more and more not available. We're closed today. We're closed today. We're closed today. And the calls dwindled. Yeah, I, I like went to, you know, call a recruiter, which I hadn't done in like five, six years, call a recruiter and started working again, started working in the ER again. But can I just say this? Like people look at entrepreneurship as this super risky thing. Mm-hmm. Like you're about to get on the Titanic, you know, <laughs> you could always go back and get a job. Like right. you were yeah. good at your job. Right. You're, you're still building up your resume through entrepreneurship Worst case, you go back and get a job. What's wrong with that? Right. Now, so I want to know, before we move to the next job or to the next business, what advice would you give? Do you you think that the medical concierge business is still a viable business today? Like, I know we have a lot of doctors listening. We have a lot of medical clients who are looking to be entrepreneurs in some way, shape, or form. You know, if they're like, all right, now, I didn't think about that. Do you think that's still a viable business for people to go out and to pursue today? It definitely is. As a matter of fact, I'm now involved in another venture <laughs> wow. um, in New Jersey. I'm the medical director of a company called Leah. 
And basically, and we're gonna we're starting next month. But basically, what they're doing is what I was doing with the hotels, but at in home at home. But they have an app, which is so cool. You could like actually Uh-oh. see the doctor traveling towards you. Oh no! Um, they're doing four hundred visits in New York per month now. And so I think once we get in, in New Jersey, it's going to open up some more. So the answer is yes, it's still viable. Listen, people are always going to get sick. Yeah. And as quiet as it's kept, I mean, would you, on a Sunday night, you got three kids. On a Sunday night, would you rather, you know, uh, come to my uh, house. Go, go over to the ER and or, or, nope. or to urgent care? Or would you have somebody come to your house and do the same thing Absolutely. for $99? I mean, come on. Come $99. That's right. Wait a Wait a minute. minute. <laughs> <laughs> right. But here's what I like about that idea, right? Like, again, here's another thing I hate that. Is that I'm, a good wait a minute or a bad wait a minute? That is that wonderful. A good one. Yeah. I don't even yeah. get sick that often, yeah. but I might start. And the, and the other thing, I'll, I'll tell you guys just a quick plug. The other thing that, that this company does is they is actually offer health plans for entrepreneurs Come who on. don't have, you know, access to insurance. So they'll say, listen, you get this many visits a month, this much medication. We'll do everything for, you know, a, a subscription fee. Okay, so, what's the name of this company? And you don't believe in Santa Claus. Come on, that's Santa right there. Leah, L- <laughs> L-E-A-A dot I-O. Okay. Yeah, check it out. So in these businesses that you just talked about doing, yeah. like— you started them off really lean, right? Like, well, yeah, the, the first, both of these businesses, well, I know you didn't start the other company, the, but what I'm getting at is a lot of times people think, I want to start a business. Let me go raise some money. Let right. me go buy a building. Angel investor. Let me go. Let like, me hire three people. I need my assistant already. The yeah. best thing you can do is run it from your home, do the service where you travel to them yeah. instead of trying to build the beauty salon. Like, I'll do in home, in your home type yeah. of deal. Yeah. Like, your business model needs to fit your pockets. Yeah. Instead of thinking that there's going to be some angel out there to invest in your dream. And also, I would say, like, I made a mistake. Like, when I when I bought when I did bought the concierge, it was a franchise, right? And I ended up I, I franchise fee was ninety six thousand, and I didn't have ninety six thousand, so I took out a loan. Look, looking back, it was a bad decision. The guy was a crook, and he ended up not doing what he said he was going to do. I had to end up suing him or whatever. And obviously, I've come out of it, but. I would say like a good piece of advice for investor for um you know entrepreneurs is if you can do it then don't start a business with a business loan if you can do it yeah. like if it, it, you know cuz you're just already behind the eight balls eating into your profits it's a, it's a whole thing so then you pivoted today you own four pain management clinics yeah and a podcast studio but we're going to start yeah. we're going to start with the pain management yeah so was that you went you you left uh concierge medicine you went back to the ER for a little bit yeah. and so was this the very next venture yeah, it was the very next venture, and it actually came, and that's, and that's why relationships are so important. I, I know your listeners know that. Relationships are everything. One, one of the providers that used to work for me wanted to do this pain management thing, and so he just, he approached me. He had started it, but, you know, wasn't going the way he wanted to, so he just approached me. He's like, listen, would you like to, you know, work, go in this with me? And I was like, all right. So, you know, invested a little bit of money. It's you pieced been, out it's, the ER again. It's, it, it, <laughs> basically, I mean, you know, for the most part. It's been, it's been great. It's been a great partnership. It's become essentially passive. I mean, we have a great practice manager. We have providers. I work, you know, a couple days a month, but it's not crazy. So when you say passive, like explain it's to It's essentially people. passive. Yeah. Oh, passive, you know, so you're, you know, you make income when you're not working. I like that know? kind of income. Right. Yeah. That's, you don't, that's you're not the there best every kind. day. They call you're it horizontal, not, horizontal income. Yeah. You're yeah. not required to be there all the time for you to be making money. Correct. You're not no longer trading your time for money. And that's ultimately where I think a lot of us, you know, listening to this show want to be. So when you started the pain management business, like where did you guys start? Were you out looking for real estate? Were you like, how did you guys get the doors open? And what was day one like? It started with the idea. And it really, so what really happened was 
my partner was working part-time in a chiropractor's office and he was seeing all of these people that that had like jacked the up. other other issues they were like in pain. yeah they were jacked they were up hurt. He, he would he would adjust them the chiropractor but they still had like pain and he would want to refer them and he was like asked my partner he was like you know why don't you start something like this and that's kind of how it started so we actually started in that guy's office that was like the first year and then every year pretty much we added a practice and then we we got up to six and then we scaled back. And so always in chiropractors offices? We have always in chiropractors offices or multi-specialty offices because that's kind of our model and it's a great model because you have automatic referral. Like mm-hmm. they know you're in the building, they send you. Now in New York State, there's some legality around it. So we actually we pay, you know, we pay rent to be there. It's not, you know, there's there's a pay for play kind of thing right. you can't do. But it's completely legal. As long as we're paying our rent and we're there, they send us to patients. So it's great. So let's explain to us what pain management is, because I'm going to be honest here. Okay, tell me. When I hear pain management. Yeah. Thinking of claws. Uh-huh. No, she's thinking of like, you weed. know. I'm thinking of weed, weed <laughs> CBD. We do she that went too. straight there. We no, do, we, that's what I do, think about. We do medical marijuana though. Yeah, that's that. exactly what I think about. I don't yeah. know what else you can do to resolve my pain Besides other than presi- I mean, pre- prescribed drugs. And now weed and CBD (laughs) are more popular, is all I'm saying. So what is pain management? So pain management is the whole spectrum, everything you just said. We we don't do really narcotics like Percocet, Oxycodone, all that stuff. We stay away from that stuff. Great. We do procedural pain management. So, for instance, if you come in, you say, you know, say, cool, uh, you know, I I hurt my back last night. I was doing something I shouldn't have been doing. Yes. I wonder what she was doing. (laughs) Anyway. And I was doing it well. <laughs> right. Ahem. Um, <clears throat> Barry White I'll, was I'll playing. At, right, right, right. I take uh, an ultrasound machine and I, I, can, I can actually see in your back where the inflammation is. And then I inject medication directly into that area. That's the crux. That's 85% of what we do. Okay. So once you've injected this and I am pain-free, yeah. do you now give me something to ensure that I stay pain-free for a period of time? Or is this just kind of like a one-time fix? No. I, I, we see most people five to six times. So once a week, along with the physical therapy, the massage, the, some people do acupuncture because all of this stuff is in right. the same, you know, right. we all have it all in the same clinic. Mm. They get better. If it's just straight up inflammation, you're going to get better. I'm going to tell really quickly my oxy, was it Oxycontin? Is that Oxycontin? Is Oxycodone? No, I was, mine was Oxycontin, I okay. think. And my story was, so I had a root oh, canal. No. Oh, yes, no. I was, I was, you know, I was like 25 years old, you know the 24 are, years old. Listen. I didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> and I had a root canal and they gave me Oxycontin. Mm. And I got home afterwards. Okay. And I got home and they were like, listen, just take half of one. I said, no problem. So I it was my appointment was earlier in the day. So I had planned to go to work. So I took my half and Mm. then I went to work. And probably like after being at work for about an hour, my supervisor found me (laughs) banging my head up against my computer screen. Oh my goodness. (laughs) And I wasn't. I wasn't aware of any of this, so I you didn't know you were doing. No, this. I was not aware of this. You thought so, you were typing. I don't. I don't even like. I didn't. I was just typing. out, right? So you know, they were concerned. So I lived very close. I lived in walking distance to my job. Okay. So where I normally would just walk home, they were like, "We're going to put her in a cab and send her home." So mm. they literally put me in a cab told the cab driver where to drop me off at. My roommate was waiting for me outside to retrieve wow. me from the cab. Uh, my roommate gets me upstairs. And literally, he sets me on the couch and, like, props me up with pillows on both sides wow. of me because I'm leaning. I can't keep myself up. Heroin addict. Right. Literally. <laughs> and he turns the television on and he's like, yo, just don't 
move. I I don't know what happened. He left and went to the bathroom or something. And I found myself again standing at the wall. <laughs> wow. And we had a dog at the time, and my dog was this like... This is off a half of a pill. Off a half of a pill. Wow. My dog is freaking out, and my roommate's like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> so he puts me back on the sofa, props me up with more pillows, and now wraps blankets around me so I can't really move my arms, and I'm kind of stuck here. Eventually, yeah. it wore off. When it wore off, I was clear... These type this of drugs for aren't for me. <laughs> right, um, right. I'm gonna just have to deal with this pain. Right. Y'all can get get rid of these drugs. Get these drugs out I of our house. You better stick right. with baby but Tylenol. I right. also it made me think. You know, for people right. who do abuse drugs, yeah. what are you running from? Like, yeah. how bad is your life that this is violent? This is the state that you want to be in I'd love on to a right. Like yeah, I would yeah. just love to be banging my head up against a computer screen, like, <laughs> just to get away from my daily issues. But for me, I was like, no more pain management. And honestly, I don't, even to this day, under, under most circumstances, I've never taken any type of hard pain drug. I have a hard time taking a Tylenol or Advil, to be honest. It really bothers okay. me. Um, when you I say am, it bothers you, what does that mean? I just don't like the thought of... I always worry about requiring it for ongoing maintenance. So if I have to take uh, it once or twice to get through the day... You need that control. Right, but you I don't want to be... Out here. And yeah. not even addicted, because sometimes I think people just keep taking it. Like, they don't even know if they're still in pain or not. It's just been... It's another six hours, so I'm going to take another one. Like, see if, it, see if you're fine now. You might yeah. be straight. I worry about that, so I don't like to take it. I like to just thug it out, or I am more of a holistic thinker. Okay. But... I didn't even know these pain management businesses were out here. Oh, it's a big business. Oh, yeah. And even there's a there's a bigger tier for entrepreneurs listening. There's an even bigger tier, which we're not in, that does even more invasive things for people whose pain is at a, at a different stage. Why, so. why are we not doing these things? Because you, I need, I would need to be a, either an anesthesiologist or a neurologist. Mm. I guess I could technically hire one. But they cost mm. too much. Yeah. So, we got some anesthesiologists. Ooh, I, we clients. got one. We got some a Morgan State guy. Yeah. Get out of here, really? Yeah. We got to connect you. Yeah. Get out of here, really? Yeah. Opportunities knocking for them. Yeah. Absolutely. Maximum Skills University. So, man. you were saying that you opened, you ended up opening six locations. Yeah. But then you had to scale back. Yeah. What that means? <laughs> There's a story there. Yeah. I, sometimes. Moving too fast, you was feeling yeah, yourself. Yeah. 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 <laughs> exactly. Sometimes it's like, Growth is good, but then sometimes you can oversaturate your, your your resources. Your human resource is the most important resource in any business, and good people are hard to find, yeah. I mean, honestly. So some of it was we grew too fast, but some of it was we just couldn't find good people to staff it. Like, we kept having to fire people and have to rehire, and it was, you know, it was a— it So was the issue wasn't patience. No, we had we had these. Well, I shouldn't say that. One of the locations we was like it was dead. I mean, compared, I mean, we see at our big big spot sometimes 80, 90 patients a day. A like day. it's crazy. Yeah, it's it gets crazy in there. Wow. So it was more like the human, the human factor, the human resource. And our practice manager is is actually, you know, she's sort of maybe maybe we we should hire another one, but she's so good. It's like you get used to somebody and their right. workflow. You don't want to overwhelm them. So that's that's kind of what happened. So to start this pain management business, like, okay, get it that you have to be some sort of medical doctor, but yeah. what else does it take? Uh, you guys found a space, you mm -hmm. had a partner, but are there any additional licenses or anything else that you have to be mindful of in order to start this type of business? I mean, basically, you got to, you know, you need to be an MD in New York State. There are other states where non-physicians can own these type of All right, businesses. that's scary. 
Just own. Well, not, just own. Just not own. run it. Not yeah. service. Okay. Yeah, not run it. Obviously, you need a, a malpractice insurance. Mm-hmm. And then it's just the, the supplies, right? Whatever supplies we need, medications we need, syringes, all that kind of alcohol, swabs, all that kind of stuff. And then it's just marketing. Like, we did a bunch of, like, radio ads. We did a bunch of, um, like, Instagram stuff, a bunch of, you know, a few YouTube things. Yeah, it's just getting the word out there. But, but because we're located in these places... Like we automatically from day one, right. we're seeing people. Right. Mm-hmm. So then it's just about build, you know, building your audience and build, you know, building your 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 patient, uh, you know, building more patients. And now it. you've got this multi million dollar empire. <laughs> it's, it's 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 not an empire, but we we there are no, few there are few M's there are few M's yeah there are few successful business yeah a few M's. Super proud. Thank you. And now you got a podcast business too, podcast studio and a podcast host. Truth, truth prescription every other Monday. Check it out. And just a funny thing about that, you know, a lot of my listeners, they write, it's like, I didn't know you were a real doctor. Right. So everybody thinks that yeah, I'm like Dr. Dre. Right, like, I'm about to say, every, you can call yourself <laughs> like, a doctor. Dude, I am an actual. Doc, yeah. Right. Okay. So, uh, truth but, prescription. The truth prescription. Right. Yeah, I mean, as you guys know I me, mean, podcasts are exploding. Yeah. And in New York, there's really only two podcast studios, ours and, and another one. And, and that's so it. When you talk about this podcast studio, do you own the studio? Are you, you know, are you the only, are you operating other shows outside of the studio? Yeah. So I own the studio with two other partners. Um, we have, thir- you know, 33% uh, ownership. And um, we each have our roles and responsibilities. Mine is mainly like HR and and they do some tech training and things like that. And yeah, we have like right now about nine shows that are com- that are you know coming out of there that, that record with us frequently, and then we have a lot of you know other people that just you know call us and, or or you know uh, book. But it's great, like you know, it's a, it's in a creative space. I'm a creative guy. People ask me, you know, who are you? What I always say, I'm a, I'm just I'm a creative. I'm an artist. That's so we're really gonna talk about that. We're gonna yeah, talk yeah. about that when we come back from All break. Right. I'm Tiffany Hawkins. I'm Alan Boomer. We're the Momentum Advisors, and we'll be right back. Okay, I can't lie. I can't lie. Tiffany put me onto this song. I did, and when we were on Karen's show. But worse than that, y'all should see these old men in the studio. <laughs> this oh wait, hold it on is, now. Wait a it minute. Is, it's it's, it's a lot. It's a bit much. We were dancing. It's a bit much. Extremely well. Okay, Alan, who and is young, accustomed young. to smooth jazz and R and B, you know, it's a bit much <laughs> in here today. Uh, I know you've got your friend in the you studio right. and you're feeling right, but you've got to stick. All right, we're going to have a dance stick off. Stick with the smooth jazz. Right. We're going to have a dance okay? off. That's what we're going to do. Y'all two are going to have no, a dance no, off? No, me and you. And me and That's you. fine. Dance off. I'm with it. I'm not concerned at all. Challenge. I'm, I'm, I'm extremely flexible. I have and great. And we're going to put it on Twitter live. No. We're, is there a Twitter live? That doesn't even exist. Probably. It doesn't. <laughs> um, so uh, Alexa is saying that it does exist. All right, so we're well, going to okay. do it. Look at Twitter live. Okay. Dance off. Dance off. Sure. All right. No problem. Okay. That's not what we're talking about today. Um, <laughs> we are talking about entrepreneurship, and we have Seculio in the studio today. Yeah. And we're hearing like a very different, I think, entrepreneurial story, especially from a space and industry. I don't oftentimes hear about a doctor who's stepped outside of anything other than opening their own practice. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's yeah. typically the entrepreneurial role for anybody in the medical field. Yep. So to do what you have done, and now you're talking about even while you have these successful pain management locations, then you decided to go farther. What made you say, because someone could have said, like, I'm good. I, I got this going. I like it. You know, I don't need to do anything else. Only thing that's constant is change. Okay. Everything changes. Everything ends. Right. So you always at least for me, I'm always thinking ahead about, all right, what's the next thing? Where am I going next? 
And then, you know, I want to, you know, have have a little bit more assets. Why yeah. not? I will you know, say for not? us, because someone could ask us the same question. <clears throat> I think, you know, when you become an entrepreneur and it starts to work, you become extremely confident. Oh, yeah. You become confident mm-hmm. and you your faith mm-hmm. um, strengthens. It's and addictive. so it's addictive. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, listen, what what are what we doing next? Like, yeah. it don't you know what I mean? Like, I don't care what it is. You know yeah. what I mean? I, yeah. I'm I'm willing to try it. I'm willing to count on myself. I believe in, you know, my abilities or I believe what, that what's out there is for me. So I totally get that. Mm-hmm. And so you pivoted to a podcast studio. Yep. And was mm-hmm. that just a your your own idea did somebody bring that opportunity to you it was it was sort of a natural pivot since i had already been doing the show okay and i sort of like i have a studio in my house i'm a music guy i had a studio in my house and i had a little mobile setup i would take the people sometimes and we would rent out studio space and it was just kind of like me and my producer were kind of like we should probably just do our have our own podcast studio and we can use it and then we have people come it was simple as that and then our third partner was, was a friend of mine he's really good with tech Fixing, yeah, tech and, and like setting up, you know, setting up studios. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of how it was born, just like that. And how's that going for you? It's going great. Uh, we opened in June and uh, we broke even last month. There you uh-huh. go. I so, love it. I yeah. love it. Yeah. 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 Podcasting is huge. You know, Sirius just bought a podcast company on the low. Now, a lot of people are investing in podcasts. Yeah, no, it's big. So talk to us about the podcast studio business model. Like, how do you, who, who are you charging? Who's paying you? How do we break even? We broke even because we had a minimum of 67 paid hours. That, okay. that's, that's our number. Okay. That's our break-even number. For the week or the month? For the month. For the month. So basically 67 hours of showtime. And that basically covers all our expenses. And so a person comes to you and says, I want to use your podcast studio for whatever, and you just bill them those hours. Yeah, we have a, we have a system set up. They can go on our website. They can basically create their own, you know, pick a date put the time in and pay, and then it comes up on our system. What's this website? Metropodcaststudio.com. Okay. And so they set up their time. Is there anything available to them once they get get in there? Is is there an engineer in there? Yep. Yep. So we have right now roster of seven, seven, you know, engineers. Three of them are there all the time, which is great because if there's a last minute booking, we know, you know, we can always capture that income, that revenue. And um, yeah, they go. The techs are really well-trained in customer service, um, which is important because, you know, this brand, our podcast, the brand is really about having a high level of service and high level of customer service. So, And the engineers, are do you pay the engineers a salary or are they getting a commission? They're, they're paid per session, okay. essentially. Yeah. All right. So I want to talk about some of the lessons, man. We, we've learned a lot from you. I've been sitting here taking notes, man. I just think that there's some entrepreneurs listening to this story. Or potential entrepreneurs. Yeah, potential. Yeah. And when I say entrepreneurs, I mean, I think it's inside of you. You you might not be acting on it yet, yeah. but you're an entrepreneur if it's in your heart. But there were like some lessons that I got from this conversation. I want to make sure I distill them down into a couple of points. The first point is that starting a business, you need customers. Like you might be really good at doing the job, but unless you've got people paying you money to do it, it doesn't matter. And you focused in that business, your first business on getting customers. Second, I'm not sure if anybody peeped this, but you had zero receivables in your business. When I say receivables, I mean, that's people that owe you money. You didn't send out any invoices and wait 30 days to get paid. You want to think in your business about how quickly, not can you book the sale, but how quickly will the money come into my bank account? Shout out to Zips, Dry Cleaners, where we get paid up front. Yeah. Whether you pick up them clothes or not, we are going to get paid. Yeah. Mm. Our dry cleaner, perfect example. We flipped the dry cleaning business on its head. 
Next is opportunity. Your opportunities came from three places. One was networking with other people. Like you got to be willing to talk to some folks. Mm -hmm. Second was just paying attention, right? Like you started looking at the podcast world and saying, hey, how come I'm paying all of this money to book this space? Why don't I start my own? Third was from frustration. And like Tiffany, you talked about this, like the entrepreneurs who get frustrated say, Coolio, you had a an experience where somebody messed up your paper and you said, wait a minute, <laughs> I don't like giving out 90% and keeping 10. I want to keep the 90 and give away 10. And I think paying attention gives you opportunities. Yeah. Next, sometimes you can grow too fast. Like you started mm. a business, it grew, you had to scale it back and that's okay. You're still in business. Sometimes you can actually grow by shrinking in the yeah. sense that by cutting off something, by pruning, yeah. you can focus and grow bigger. But what I love about that story is that some some person, a person could feel like that was a failure, right? And it wasn't. It was just a lesson learned and that was it. And you move on. Yeah. A person could have been like, well, I need to close all of them or, you know, what am I, you know, I did, I thought I was good and I did something wrong, but I, I am a firm believer in fail fast. You know what I mean? So that you can move on and just be better. And yeah. so you you learn something from that. It didn't detract from your success or, or your confidence. And you you knew how to do it better the next time. Yeah. Yeah. I always say this is from a, a fortune cookie. But failure is a tuition you pay for success. Sometimes yeah. you make you make some mistakes. And some, yeah. sometimes it's your best, the best lessons that you could ever learn. Next, you talked about like you wish you hadn't taken out that business loan. Yeah. Right. And we often find people that want to fund a business with equity. Are dying. With other people's money. Yeah, dying to take out take out loans. Yeah, or to just take on a, an investor. And I'll tell you, I always tell the story. My first investor in a business, for every dollar he put in, I had to give back three. In, Ooh, your, in your case, you, wow. you borrowed a dollar and probably gave back a dollar fifty. I gave yeah. back three dollars. Wow. And you're regretting that you had to give back a dollar fifty. So the idea of funding a business with your own capital is something that we agree with. But oftentimes I worry if people think that they're not going to be successful. And that's why they're so willing to give away equity. Because I think people who are very confident that this is gonna work is not or they're not willing to give out equity. You know, for people who watch Shark Tank, there is sometimes there are people who are like, You want fifty five percent? Sure. You know what I mean? Cause I need a check. And I'm not sure this is going to work out any other way. And then there are other people who are like, listen, I got 7% for you and I want what I want because this is going to work out regardless. I really believe in this thing. So equity is is expensive. And yes. I don't. I think you only recognize that when you really believe in yourself and believe in what you're doing. Yeah. And when you paid off that loan, I'm sure it felt pretty good. It felt great. And just can I say something real quick? Yeah. I, I'm also, I've been developing a medical device for the last four years. Wow. And I just had to let a deal just drop because these guys wanted like 35% equity up front without any deliverables. It made no sense to me. So I had yeah. to walk away. They were yeah. hoping though that you didn't believe in yourself. They were yeah. hoping that you didn't believe enough in your concept and you were willing to give it away. Yeah. Yeah. Next, you were open to partnerships. I oh, think yeah, that that's sure. key. Like a lot of times we want to do everything ourselves. Nah. Sometimes you need people, you need other businesses to help you succeed. Yeah, so I was this person uh, for a very long time. No, that wasn't even, Alan will tell you, I was not easy. um, After we found you. Yeah, like, Uh. you know, for a long time I was doing it on my own in my own business. And even when I met Alan, I was like, listen, we're just. Just getting to know each other. Like, it will, he'll tell you. Like, for, yeah. and there were years he was like, you know, like, we're going to be, we're officially partners and we yeah. should put your information on the website. And I was like, no, you won't. Like, I don't need the world to know. I don't need to make this official, official. It took a long time wow. for me to just accept the partnership. I used to be like, yeah, we work together sometimes. But to accept the partnership and it's, it's been wonderful since then. But 
I really have learned how valuable partnerships are. Yeah. Next, you talked about marketing. If you're going to start a business, you've got to market your business. If you build it, they will not come <laughs> unless you're marketing your services. <laughs> Don't overlook that. Yeah. We saw a business plan recently. Somebody was trying to get like $10 million in sales in year one. No. Their marketing budget was $65,000. Oh, hell no. Come on, son. Hell no. <laughs> the next thing you talked about is how you reduce your cost by subleasing real estate. A lot of times people say, I want to buy the building. I want to sign this 10-year lease. Like, nah, you can actually do way better by borrowing somebody else's space. Yeah. Two more things. You know your break-even. Like, you got to know in business when you're going to start breaking even. Yeah. How many things, how many widgets do you need to sell? Hours do you need to sell before you start making a profit? And lastly, you can always go back and get a job. Right. This ain't that risky. You didn't get dumber. You're not any less employable <laughs> because you started a business. Yeah, I think all those lessons are spot on and super valuable. Yeah. We got to know how we can get in touch with you. Where's the pain? What are the pain management businesses? All the websites, your all the media, social media, podcast, all of it. So the podcast is uh, at the Truth Prescription. That's on Instagram, and I'm at Dr. G on Twitter. And then uh, the if you, if you got some back pain or any other kind of pain, there's one uh one clinic in downtown Manhattan, three in Long Island. Um, it's Onyx Onyx Medical PC. Just look us up. You'll you'll see us. What's what's coming? What's next? Well, hopefully Zips is in my future. So we'll see what happens. Oh yeah, we what talked about with that. that. I'm about to, I don't know about that. Yeah, she's like, Shh, try you know, nice try. And then um my medical device, like I've been working on it. It's ready. It's time. So yeah. that's going. That's the one. You know, they always they they always say, you know, for the entrepreneurs listening, you only need to be right one or two times yeah. in life. Yeah. And so I think this is gonna that'll be my one mm. one of my two that will put me in a good place. Yeah, I will say this. I was joking with you guys earlier and I really was just talking about Alan. But Deku, you've accomplished a lot at a really young age. And I'm super proud. Thank you. And I'm I'm even more proud to see how much momentum you have to keep going forward and to keep doing more. Like it's very, very exciting. I thought you were gonna say that I actually did dance well. No, no, I wasn't. I wasn't reneging on that. Um, <laughs> with that, we've got to go. <laughs> so thank you so much for being on today's thank show. You. We appreciate, appreciate you. No, this is great. Uh, once we get this medical device popping, we'll have to bring you back. Yes. Uh, but oh, stick yeah. with us. We'll see you next week. I'm Tiffany Hawkins. I'm Alan Boomer. And we're the Momentum Advisors. 